Spend less, spend differently. Spend more if it makes better sense to do so. But working through the reality of reclaiming Christmas as as an interior posture and not just an external celebration or expression. We're hoping to focus on Jesus. I mean, truly that He would be our focus. And then if He becomes our focus, we can move through a cultural Christmas with light and grace Because the last thing we want to do is kind of hole up in church and be a bunch of bah humbugs. How can we be the light of Christ unless we are willing to walk in the darkness? For many people, even within, I believe, the Christian culture, we have lost or maybe misplaced or even ignored the Jesus connection with Christmas. For some, they'll get to the end of all of this celebration and still just feel kind of empty. Even though... People are able to stay busy with all the other people around them, with lots of food and parties and nice gifts. There can still be an emptiness. For some, they'll just ignore it. For others, they've just become accustomed to it. This time of year, for many people, depression increases. Loneliness seems to sting just a little bit deeper because there's something missing. Imagine feeling depressed while being surrounded by Christmas or feeling lonely when you're among so many people. For some, they've just given in to believing that this is all there is. And they, or we, or even I can get to the end. And you have this, you have this sense, deep down inside, you, something just tells you that you've missed it. And you don't know what it is, but you seem to have missed something. Our physical desires are are being met. We give things, and we get things, and we go to see things. All the things that there are to see, but the soul is longing for more. Worship from the heart. Spend less, spend more, spend differently. Maybe, Maybe the spending issue could resolve itself if... If all we needed to do was maybe give more. Okay, wait. How do I spend less and give more? Is that the whole spending on gifts that give back? Because if that's the case, then I have to give less because I'll be spending more because those gifts that you purchase that give back actually cost more. So what is it? What am I to do? Now, there are some gifts that we receive there's, there's something about them. There's something special. They move beyond just a thing or an item, and they hold, they hold meaning. Dare I say there is something sacred about them. They feel right. And when you receive them in that moment, thoughts and feelings and memories, they just rush in. Because I believe that it's those gifts that we receive that have that effect on us are, are something relational, something that celebrates relationships that we have with other people. Because the person who gave it to you, they know you, and you know them. There is a bond. They've heard you, and you've heard them, and they give from that place. And what they've given you is something that's special. I have a friend that gave me a can of Febreze recently. Yes, the room deodorizer. And I know that sounds corny to bring up, but he gave it to me because in passing, he heard me say once that I love the smell of fresh cotton or fresh linen Febreze. He was walking through the store, and there was a three-pack of, of uh, Febreze. 
And in the middle of the three-pack was fresh linen. And he bought it, and he gave it to me. A gift given, as simple as a can of room deodorizer, given because I was heard and someone knows me. I have many Father's Day cards and birthday cards, all homemade from Megan and Ethan. This Father's Day, I was given two pictures, one from Megan and, and one from Ethan, and I keep them in my office with a whole bunch of other things that they've made for me throughout the years. Now, I, I guess in the retail world, they probably wouldn't bring such a huge price, but being at risk of sounding cliche, for me, these things are priceless. They remind me of my children, my relationship with them, and, and all of the ups and the downs and the push and the pull just all kind of blend into one big smile when I receive them. I remember how they've grown and how their artwork has gotten much better over the years. It also reminds me of how quickly time flies. If sometimes I think, I, you know, I just went to bed last night, I was 30, and I woke up this morning and I was 48. And I remember that my children will always be my children, but they won't stay kids forever. These kinds of gifts for me, they're, they're irreplaceable. You can't put a price on them. Well, maybe if the price is right, if you want to come into my office and shop for a couple thousand dollars, you can own some custom artwork. I, I do own the children, and I guess I can have them make me another picture. But here is the beauty of Christmas. So simple and yet so profound. God, our Heavenly Father, has given us the gift of Jesus Christ. It's a gift that finds itself in relationship. His desire for a relationship with us and for that relationship to grow deeper and more intimate over time. He hears us. He knows us. He loves us. And he wants to share something with us from that place, from a very personal place. God looks at the world with all that was going on and all that is going on and all of the brokenness and the pain and the suffering, especially on the insides of people. And his answer to that brokenness, to that pain, wasn't a new car or, if you lived in Jesus' day, a new camel or a donkey. It wasn't the latest gadget or the newest phone. In fact, it had nothing to do with more stuff. And yet it was a gift. And it was a huge gift because he gave us himself. And God's example, it can teach us. It gives us the opportunity to learn how to give in a different way. To give in a way that stands outside of the consumerist mindsets. Or for just the sake of giving something or to meet some, some status quo. It's a way to begin to infiltrate the cultural equation of money spent equals how much I love. Which I know if you asked most of us if money equals love, you would say no, that's, that's absolutely not true. But yet there's a, a cultural and a social posture that begs a different answer. Just think of who you will spend the most money on this Christmas. Those people closest to you. There's this word we throw around during this time of year. It's, the word's called incarnation. It's not found anywhere in the Bible. It's what we'd call a theological construct. It's this idea that runs through the entire narrative of the Bible, and we can see its reality. It's the moment that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is God, comes into this world. 
This world that's been created through him and for him. He enters into its brokenness, into the pain, and into the suffering as one of us, as flesh and blood, fully God and fully human. This is the mystery of the incarnation. This is the the beauty of it. God sends his son to live here as a created human being. You see, this is much more than a historical fact. It is one of the foundations of our faith. It's the thing that unites all of us. Catholics, Baptists, Methodists, Lutherans, Presbyterians, non-denominationalists, even the Episcopalians. The incarnation. God coming to earth, fully man, fully human. This is what it says in the Gospel of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So here we are finally into the biblical text. God creates everything through Jesus, through the word. Creation wasn't a solitary event that God handled all by himself. Both were at work, the Father and the Son. It says that the word was God, not that God was the word. So there's there's a big difference in, in the way that's phrased. There is two, and yet there is one. We know that there is three because the Holy Spirit is with them both. And we who've been hanging around church for a while, we've read those words often, at least, at least I hope you do. But familiarity breeds complacency sometimes. And these words can not only lose their power, but also the beauty of the gift that they represent. Jesus, God, is with us. Verse 14, it says this, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He moved into our neighborhood. He set up shop. God did not require us to move. He came to us. Jesus is our best understanding of God, his nature, his character, who he is. God has become a tangible being, approachable, Though not completely understandable, we can begin to understand him through Jesus Christ. He's given us the ultimate gift, himself. And by doing so, he's reconciled us back to him. The presence of the Lord our God with us fully through Jesus Christ. Jesus does not represent God. He is God. God with us, understandable, accessible, calling us to repent, befriending the outcast, living among us common folk, God speaking and living into the lives of the brokenhearted to bring healing and wholeness. Why? Because he loves us and he wants us back. He became one of us, became a servant. He didn't come as a powerful king to rule over us, which he had every right to do. He is our creator. He is our king. But he shunned the normal idea of kingdom and king and power to show us how love and humility reflect his own nature and his own character. 
and to teach us the lesson that love and humility can heal and transform the lives of people. And this is what we can proclaim to the world, God with us. And the world right now is in need of some good news. Can we learn to give the way God gave in Jesus? Can we learn to give of ourselves to one another, the gift of our presence? Can we have a deeper, lasting impression on the lives of the people that we love? Luke chapter 2, verse 11 says this, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. A Savior has been born for you and for me. The Messiah will free me from the junk I carry around with me, it seems like everywhere, my faults and my brokenness, even my idolatries. It's a very personal gift, relational. Jesus was a relational type of guy. He enjoyed being with people, talking and eating and just hanging out with them. He generally liked humanity. And yes, at times they frustrated him, but he loved them. No matter how broken or messed up they were, he cared for them. And he cultivated relationships on so many different levels. He poured into the lives of people. On more than one occasion, as he was ministering, he would come to a place of just needing rest. He would need some time off. And there were times that he would give himself of himself until there was nothing left to give. There's this story in the Gospel of Mark when he wanted to get away with his disciples just to kind of decompress a little bit. And the crowd follows him and they actually get to where he's going before he gets there. And the text says that he had compassion on them for they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he taught them many things. Jesus paid attention. He listened. He was involved. God pays attention and he listens And he is involved. Can we pay attention and listen and get involved? See, that's a gift that busy people, they would miss because they're so distracted with so many other different things. They forget about the person. I believe that we have all received gifts that have been less than than personal. You can almost feel the, the afterthought in them. That thing that you kind of smiled over and you said thank you to. But then, you know, it just gets put in the closet or in the drawer or on the shelf. And you don't really pay too much attention to it after that. But here's the thing. Not only have we received those gifts, we we have given those types of gifts. And for some of us, the gifts that we received, we have re-gifted with the same spirit. Disposable generic. Sometimes the thought that counted was the thought that came at the last minute. Kind of like saying, hey, I haven't thought about you in a long time, but I feel kind of obligated to give you something. So here you go. Merry Christmas. I want to keep it real, though. There's only so much of us to go around. And I want you to remember that giving gifts is not bad. It's not evil. It's not shallow. But what if? What if for those people in our lives, the ones we are around the most, our family and friends and coworkers, our neighbors, can we be involved with them in their lives? Can we give of ourselves in a personal, humble, servant-like way? Can Christmas 
be more than just a time of year? Can Christmas actually embrace an entire change in our lifestyle? The way we interact with people. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6 says this, Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The gift that God gave cost him something. It had a steep price for the creator of everything. The price could never be measured in money. He made himself nothing, emptied himself of all that, of all that is royal and divine of God and became one of us. He did not come forcefully, but he came in all humility. And this truth, this gift to us, can and should inspire us to do the same with the people in our own lives. Can we empty ourselves and become a servant to those around us? I think we have to begin by asking a simple question. What does that even mean? What does that look like? What does it feel like? God's gift to us cost him everything. His gift would take his very own son to the cross to die for us. How can that truth color our giving? How can we reflect that to the people that are around us? I'll say this, that to give in this relational sense is, is going to cost us something. Not to the extent that it costs Jesus, but it will cost. It will cost us time and commitment, even our resources, even money. In fact, it would be much easier, easier just to shop online and send a quick gift. And there's, there's a danger in it too. What if, what if people don't get it? What if they can't relate to this kind of gift? See, giving relationally can be risky. Well, Jesus gave of himself, knowing full well that not everyone is going to understand it. But he gave anyway. Jesus gave of himself, knowing that some people were going to reject it. But he gave anyway. See, giving this way, it's, it's not about you. It's not how good you're going to look or how many high fives or kudos you're going to get. See, it's, it's about giving to the other person. Relational gifts given in humility are gifts given in grace. And any gift that's given in grace, in humility, God is honored and God is worshiped.